You're listening to the RBN Energy Blogcast. This is an audio version of RBN Energy's daily blog, the oil and gas industry's go-to source for insight. Every day, we cover commodity fundamentals, industry changes, and developing trends across energy markets. And now, we're making it easier than ever to enjoy our blogs. Whether it's on your drive into work, while you're at the office, or at home walking the dog, settle in, turn the volume up, and enjoy. Sunday, January 24, 2021. With or without you. How will Keystone XL's latest setback impact Canadian crude oil producers? Published by Housley Carr. Sure, there was at least some hope among Keystone XL supporters that President Biden might back away from his promise to kill the much maligned crude oil pipeline project. After all, KXL developer TC Energy had done all it could to make the 1,210-mile project more palatable to the incoming administration by making Canadian First Nation groups partners in the project, reaching a favorable labor agreement with the four U.S. unions that would build the pipeline, and, most recently, committing to invest in renewable energy to power KXL's pumps and other equipment. But it wasn't enough, and now, with Biden's decision to revoke the project's presidential permit, it appears that the Alberta to Nebraska pipeline is all but dead, and that Western Canada will need to get by without its 830,000 barrels per day of southbound capacity. The looming question now is, what does that mean for Alberta's producers, particularly those that have signed up for more than 500,000 barrels per day of space on KXL? Today, we discuss what's ahead. As we blogged about earlier this month in oil from the North Country crude oil production in the Western Canadian Sedimentary Basin, or WCSB, including the all-important Alberta oil sands, has roughly doubled since 2010, from about 2 million barrels per day at the beginning of the last decade to 4 million barrels per day today. TC Energy, then known as TransCanada fully and correctly, anticipated the coming boom in WCSB production when it and then-partner ConocoPhillips announced in 2008 that they would build Keystone XL to supplement their planned 590,000 barrels per day Keystone pipeline, which in 2010-2011 started transporting crude from Hardesty, Alberta to Steel City, Nebraska, and from there to hubs in Patoka, Illinois, and Cushing, Oklahoma. TransCanada bought out ConocoPhillips's Keystone and Keystone XL stakes in 2009, the plan was for KXL to provide 830,000 barrels per day of additional capacity from Hardesty to Steel City starting a year or two after the original Keystone pipeline came online, and thereby supporting increasing flows of Western Canadian crude oil and diluted bitumen, or dilbit, from the oil sands to U.S. refineries. KXL, of course, became a cause celebre and the subject of countless RBN blogs. The shortest possible version of the saga is that President Obama rejected a required presidential permit for the project's U.S.-Canada border crossing in November 2015. President Trump approved the project in January 2017 and again in March 2019, and TransCanada, renamed TC Energy in May 2019, redoubled its efforts to secure, among other things, needed approvals from U.S. and state regulators as well as long-term capacity commitments from shippers. Almost 12 years after plans for the KXL project were first unveiled, TC Energy at long last announced a final investment decision, or FID, in March 2020, when Alberta's provincial government stepped forward with commitments to provide $1.1 billion US dollars in equity to cover most of the planned construction costs through the rest of 2020. Alberta also agreed to guarantee $4.2 billion US dollars in project debt. While TransCanada was working to advance KXL in anticipation of growing Western Canadian production, other midstream companies active in the region were developing crude oil takeaway capacity of their own, especially Enbridge, which owns the multi-pipeline, now 2.9 million barrels per day mainline system from Alberta to the U.S. Midwest, various market access pipelines in the central U.S. that connect the mainline to Point South, 
and the express pipeline from Alberta to Wyoming. Among the major system expansion projects that Enbridge has completed in the past dozen years are the following. 1. The Alberta Clipper Pipeline, aka the Mainline's Line 67, from Edmonton, Alberta to Superior, Wisconsin, which started up as a 450,000 barrels per day conduit in 2010 and was later expanded to 800,000 barrels per day. 2. The Southern Access Pipeline, the Mainline's Line 61, from Superior to Enbridge's Flanagan Terminal near Pontiac, Illinois, which came online in 2009 and whose capacity will be expanded from the current 1 million barrels per day to 1.3 million barrels per day by the end of this year. More on the expansion in a moment. 3. The 585,000 barrels per day Flanagan South Pipeline, one of Enbridge's market access pipes, aka Line 59, from the Flanagan Terminal to Cushing, Oklahoma. The 593-mile pipeline began operating in 2014, and its capacity can be expanded by as much as 250,000 barrels per day as demand warrants. 4. The 300,000 barrels per day Southern Access Extension Pipeline, another market access pipe, Line 63, which runs from Flanagan to Potoka, started up in 2015, and is poised to be expanded to 400,000 barrels per day. Last year Enbridge also expanded its 280,000 barrels per day express pipeline from Hardesty to Casper, Wyoming by 30,000 barrels per day to 310,000 barrels per day, that 785-mile pipeline, which came online back in 1997, may be expanded to as much as 390,000 barrels per day soon. Lastly Enbridge is in the process of constructing the remaining Minnesota portion of Mainline's Line 3 replacement project, which will increase Line 3's and the Mainline's capacity from Edmonton to Superior by 390,000 barrels per day. The new pipelines and expansions that Enbridge finished over the past few years helped shippers keep pace with rising production in the WCSB, but they weren't enough. The Mainline system and other pipelines that transport most of Western Canadian supply south, the Keystone pipeline included, filled up, that forced some midstreamers to apportion access to their pipelines, and prompted many producers and shippers to turn to higher-cost crude by rail as another way to move crude to the U.S. that crushed prices for Western Canadian Select, or WCS, and other regional blends, by the fall of 2018. The discount of WCS to WTI prices was topping US$40 per barrel. In January 2019, Alberta's provincial government implemented a production cap to ease takeaway constraints and shrink the WTI-WCS price spread, the spread did shrink to a more acceptable level, and, as it did, production curtailments were eased through the remainder of 2019 and into 2020. As fate would have it, COVID-19 arrived just as it seemed that things were returning to normal. Sharply reduced demand for oil spurred nearly 1 million barrels per day in production cuts in Western Canada, the vast majority of the reductions occurring in Alberta. The only good news was that as production fell, pipeline constraints evaporated and crude by rail volumes dropped to their lowest level in years. As we said last week in our forecast for WCSB production in 2021, we estimate that total crude oil production in Western Canada averaged about 4.3 million barrels per day in December 2020, almost exactly where it stood in February 2020, just before the pandemic started to take its toll. Our understanding is that takeaway pipelines like the mainline Keystone and Trans Mountain are now filling up or full, and crude by rail export volumes, which reached an eight-year low of 39,000 barrels per day in July 2020, are inching back up. Our forecast that production will average 4.45 million barrels per day in 2021, compared to just under 3.9 million barrels per day in COVID-impacted 2020, with the potential to increase to 4.7 million barrels per day by 2025, suggests that at least several hundred thousand barrels of incremental takeaway capacity out of Western Canada will need to be added to keep up. 
And, as the Keystone XL project proved, adding big chunks of new pipeline capacity is no easy task. So, with KXL apparently off the table, will there be sufficient pipeline capacity out of Western Canada as production there grows? You might want to take a look at the figures in today's blog on the website. Figure 2 in the blog summarizes the production takeaway balance if KXL had been allowed to advance, and Figure 3 shows the current situation, assuming that the TC Energy project will not somehow be revived. We should note upfront that in the graphs, production includes both crude oil and the diluent needed to allow bitumen to be transported by pipeline, with the diluent portion accounting for about 675,000 barrels per day of the total now, rising to more than 875,000 barrels per day by 2025. KXL, with its capacity of 830,000 barrels per day, would have provided a significant cushion between production and total takeaway capacity. When KXL's capacity is removed, the cushion between production and takeaway capacity shrinks considerably, though the capacity expansions that will be coming online over the next few years, an expansion on Plains Midstream Canada's Rangeland Pipeline in the Rockies, and Drag Reducing Agent, or DRA expansion on the Keystone Pipeline, optimization projects on Enbridge's Mainline System and Express Pipeline, the Line 3 Replacement Project, and the 590,000 barrels per day Trans Mountain Expansion, or TMX, among them, should help to ensure that producers and shippers won't need to turn to crude by rail in a big way, as they did in 2018, 2019, and early 2020. But the rail alternative still exists as an option to absorb short-term shocks to the system when capacity does get tight. There are a handful of caveats to note here, however. For one thing, we can't be sure that plans by Alberta oil sands producers in particular to ramp up their production will come to fruition. If they don't, the production takeaway cushion would increase. On the takeaway side of the equation, the Canadian government's TMX project, parts of which are now under construction, still faces potential environmental legal hurdles. Also, it remains to be seen whether Enbridge decides to reverse the direction of its Southern Lights diluent pipeline and have it transport crude oil from Alberta to Illinois. Finally, if production exceeds takeaway capacity, there is substantial crude by rail capacity available to handle any overflow. The bottom line though is that while the apparent demise of KXL will leave Western Canada more takeaway constrained than it would have been with KXL, the situation could be manageable through the first half of the 2020s. Of course, any additional major surprises from here on out could jeopardize that outlook. With or Without You is written by U2 with lyrics by Bono. It appears as the third track on side one of U2's fifth studio album, The Joshua Tree. Produced by Brian Eno and Daniel Lenoir, the song was released as a single in March 1987, and went to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 Singles and Album Rock Tracks Singles Charts. Personnel on the record were, Bono, on vocals, The Edge, on guitars, Adam Clayton, on bass, and Larry Mullen Jr., on drums. The Joshua Tree was recorded between January 1986 and January 1987 at Mel Beach in Monkstown, Ireland, and at STS, Danesmoid House, and Windmill Lane in Dublin. Produced by Eno and Lenoir, the album was released in March 1987, and went to number one on the Billboard Top 200 Albums chart. It has been certified diamond, 10 million copies sold, by the Recording Industry Association of America. Five singles were released from the LP. U2 is an Irish rock band formed in Dublin in 1976 by Bono, Paul Hewson, The Edge, David Evans, Adam Clayton, and Larry Mullen Jr. The group has released 14 studio albums, one live album, three compilation albums, nine EPs, and 83 singles. U2 has sold over 175 million records worldwide, 
and has received seven Brit Awards, 22 Grammy Awards, two ASCAP Awards, nine Billboard Music Awards, one American Music Award, six MTV Video Music Awards, two Golden Globe Awards, and two World Music Awards. The band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2005 and continues to record and tour. This has been the RBN Energy Blogcast. Thanks for listening.